Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. So, Will, you're back for part two. Yes. One of our own, I think we've only had one other repeat guest, one of our good friends who's a teacher and coach. And so, um, repeat guest on the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. You know, we've been looking forward to this because, you know, when we first interviewed you, it's like, hey, you've got this big thing coming up with the season with the Alley Cats. We'd love to connect again at some point afterwards to recap, reflect, see what you learned, that sort of thing. Uh, so appreciate you coming back and taking some time to join us again. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm honored to be second right? Uh, in terms of coming back as a guest. So, uh, but yeah, no, we chatted right when uh, things were going to kind of be kicking off for the, for the AUDL season, the ultimate American ultimate disc league. And then, you know, I think honestly it took from that conversation that we had, it was almost a year to year to the day to where we actually had a season. So, you know, long time coming to say the least. That's incredible. I, I was reading something today, actually this morning, about training and the idea being that when we train athletes, when we train people, the whole deal is so that the next time we interact with them a year later or six months later or whatever, that they're a different person, right? That they have adapted in such a way that they are no longer the person we initially interacted with. And that our job as trainers, coaches, mental performance people is to move them again, right? So I'm thinking about this. You start the preparation process a year prior to actual games. What kind of changes did you see in your guys from the beginning to when you actually started competing? And, and how valuable was that time, even though I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of I don't know when we're going to start. We, we prep to get to here and now we get it delayed again. I'm sure there's a ton of that stuff, but what was the value and what sort of changes were you seeing over yeah. a year? Yeah, that, that's a great, that's a, that's a great question. It's great, great mindset and thought to have on that too. So just to kind of set it up to, I guess, to set it up kind of the quick backstory um, for those who didn't listen to part one, they need to go and subscribe and listen to part one first. There you and, go. Uh, but uh, I get hired on in, as a coach in 2019. Um, we do our, uh, put together the team for what was going to be the 2020 season. Obviously COVID shut everything down. So we didn't have a, uh, um, a season. However, the team I picked was, you know, 2020 was very much a reflection of the 2019 team that had made it to the final four lost in the semifinals in a very close game, had the most, like been the most successful team that the franchise has ever seen. So the team coming into 2020 was very much a reflection of that team with some some newer bodies and faces that were going to that we thought was going to set us up to be one of the again trying to build off that success and take us to the championship championship game so that happens COVID shuts everything down we say we're going to hold off um you know like or the league says hey we're going to postpone things at that time um and it kept being you know postpone 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 until finally got canceled and so it was interesting during that season because there were bits of hope that were sent out of like, Hey, we think we're going to try and have a season or have a bubble experience like a tournament. So I kept telling guys, Hey, get up, get ready, get prepared, start retraining your body to get in shape. Cause we've all been sitting around for four, six months at that point in time. Um, 
So, you know, kind of get, kept getting everybody amped up until, until finally it just came, hey, it's not feasible. Uh, it's just not responsible to try and do right now. Um, so that, you know, 2020 season was a wash. In the midst of that process, um, the, you know, in preparation for 2021, so still in 20, uh, 2020, the uh, league's all-time leading scorer who was on our team uh, retired from our team just said, Hey, there's some things that are going on that have been brought to my attention that I need to go and address. I'm like, man, I'm going to, uh, you know, hate losing as a competitor, but I love why you're stepping away. Mm-hmm. So a couple months later, I think he was either the, he's either first or second or tied leagues leading assist scorer or assist thrower retires from our team. I'm like, mm, okay, and same thing. Hey, just, you know, passion's there, a little bit older, time to step away. I'm like, okay, that's, I understand that. Uh, and so then, you know, then that, and then we, uh, then we actually, and then I had a player reach out, say that they were actually going to go sign a contract with uh, the Chicago franchise. And so I'm like, okay, so we're just, the core of our team is now gone. So that, as I say that all in, in terms of going from 2020 to that team that we had and carrying it into what we were, what team we were going to bring in 2021 had no clue. It was a completely new landscape. I had a lot of familiar faces within the community and people who were trying to be on our team, but in terms of AUDL experience and players, um, like again, the core kind of just got ripped out from our, from our team in the midst of that. So how did, how did you have to approach it any differently or what did you change from your perspective I know being a coach, you have experience coming back. All of a sudden you don't like where do you, how did you change or adjust or what did you do differently in that situation? Um, well, after I, you know, after I like stopped panicking about what, what the team was going to look like, <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, one, I made sure the players all knew that I supported them. Like, you know, why they were stepping away or what was going on for all those different reasons, right? Even if you're going to a competitor, it's like, mm, if that's the best situation for you, I love it, but wish we could have done more for you. Um, but, you know, kind of approaching as a coach, like strategically going, okay, hey, then what we're going to do is instead of having, we're going to, we're going to try and fill the roles that those three individuals brought to the field. And we're going to try and mold that into about four or five different other players who we mm-hmm. could rotate that position of saying, they're gone here, you know, here are the people that um, fit within that system already. And then here's how we can make those things start to look a little bit differently. Right. And so we, you know, kind of expanded our look in terms of what we were trying to look at offensively. Um, And, you know, the, the other part of that too, was kind of keeping it still keeping a system consistent an offensive system consistent to what the rest of the players so, you know, if three p- people are missing that there's still four players because it's seven players at a time. So that four people could come in and teach that system very um, succinctly to everybody and then and get on the same page kind of going in from there. So keep the system the same, but look for different types of strategies and, and different players that can kind of go in and, and change up that look. So there, I'm assuming that there's a set of expectations because the three that were there probably played a lot and then had long standing sort of roles and, and their role was very clearly defined. Now you say, instead of three people doing that, we're going to have five. How do you, pre- four, five, six, potentially that are going to be rotating into that? How do you prepare them mentally to say the role that you understood because it was that person no longer exists. You're going to, you're going to fill part of that role with someone else on, um, you know what I mean? How do you prepare that understanding for an athlete to say, you know, that role, 
isn't the role that we're that's that is going to be filled we can't we can't replace that person they're all-time leading goal scorer like we can't do one person to do what they do what what kind of conversations are you having around that yeah um you know and that's and and honestly that was one thing that i didn't do very well with the offensive like you know it's I made it very clear. I was like, Hey, we are not trying to replace, you know, um, the, one of the guys names is Cam Brock. We are not trying to replace a Cam Brock. Um, and then in same thing, we're not trying to replace a Keenan Plue. Those are the players who stepped away. Like, but what we're saying is coming into, okay, this is how the offense works. This is where we're shifting people around to be able to understand, you know, Hey, this role that was this person, this is what you need to dictate. What are you looking for? having that conversation between the teams and saying, and then allowing them to redefine what the roles are going to be and saying, okay, Hey, so if I'm in this position, this is what I need to be, need to be doing uh, and being able to, you know, go and flow from there, like understanding, Hey, this is a primary role. This is a secondary role. And then allowing the conversation to happen be- between the players to, to allow that to happen of saying, okay, Hey, this is what this needs to look like, right? Because early on in, in through the most of the season there, you know, while we were trying to work on that, there were still a, from the people who were doing it, it was like, no, you need to do it this way. And it's like, well, and they, like, that's when the conversation's like, well, now we're trying to replace rather than yeah. saying where we need to go through and enhance. And so it, it, it took a little kind of butting heads just because people are kind of so familiar with it, with the system. And when you're trying to make little nuanced changes to it, it makes it some people it 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 makes it tough to get it to want to you know feel comfortable and trust that change i love that you incorporate the players and kind of let it happen organically right because i think that's the only way yes you know you're an alabama fan so nick saban can say this is how we do it this is the role this is and even even they adjust to the player and the and the role and the expectations but there are some situations where you can say, this is what we're going to do. This is what I need you to do. But most of the time, whether it's your team, I was just thinking about like in business, when we have people who change jobs or they leave and we hire somebody else, it's like, well, the person who left was a really good public speaker. They were really organized and they really did this well. So we want the next person to do those same things, but that might not be their skill set. And so how do we incorporate that into the team and, and look at, the rest of the pieces that we have coming back and say, okay, this is going to be a whole new product. And, mm-hmm. and I love, you, you know, you said throughout the season, you're trying to figure it out and it's growing and it's changing and it's evolving and that's hard. So how do you kind of keep morale up, redirect, reframe for, for those people in that process where it's like, there's some growing pains here, but we're going to get to the place where we need to be eventually if we trust it. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of like a season long theme of like a challenge, because again, we're trying to replace these, we're trying to replace these individuals. And then honestly, more than half of our roster in 2021, probably of the 30 that we rostered, probably 15 or 16 had never played in an ADL game. So we are already knew that we were young, but they're coming in, bringing a bunch of different experience. And I said, Oh, we've got some young experienced players who are going to come in and fill that role naive assumption as a coach because there are some guys like some of our guys who have played in high level club or collegiately I mean there are a couple times where their eyes got a little wider in the season like oh this is different right um and kind of going in from there so you know starting it it was unique because starting in this season the message was like we aren't backing down because we were the reigning you know um central champion 
um, you know, central division champion. I was like, we're not backing down. It's still our, you know, it's still our crown till they take it. Um, so, you know, we have some new faces, so we just have to be willing to understand that, Hey, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, I think I forget exactly what the phrase I used, but it was like, you know, new team, same results, right? Like that's what we're chasing. Um, and so that was the whole purpose of kind of going in from there of saying, and, and the great thing about it was that it allowed us to get different looks at people early on on our team that we maybe wouldn't have because we, you know, we knew what our offense was going to be in 2020. 2021, we didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't know what our defense was going to be, but it allowed us to put people in different positions to see where players could stack up to be on the team that's going to give us the best, you know, the best opportunity to win in different situations. So we start out this season kind of playing, you know, like just with that idea of like, I stayed away from the word rebuilding as long, like, as, you know, because I was like, no, we are not rebuilding. I'm not conceding that fact. Like, I'm, like holding my ground on like, we, this is not a rebuilding team and the players body. Well, I that. think that's a disservice to the people that are coming back and the people that are there. Cause it's, it's just that word. And, you know, we talk about how, the language we use a lot, but like that, that phrase alone is like, no, we're not very good. Right. And yeah. we're going to devalue you and the experience that you have and the skills that you have and who you are as a team. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but go ahead. Yeah, well, and that and that was why I stayed away from it because yeah. we it was it was a weird but a unique connection because where it was like I was the old guard of people who played for the team, you know, it, all the way for you know some of them all ten years, right? Um, and a few of them that I played with six six years ago is now we're bringing in these new faces who are gonna like who are gonna transition. So I thought bringing them together, I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna work. We we can still be highly competitive team and kind of going from there. Um, but like to go into a season and say, Hey, we're rebuilding, right. That's to me, that again, is a disservice, um, to the players and everything that are there. I said, no, we still have an, you know, a, a window of time to really make a push and, and go through and, and be the team that this championship level team that we've been talking about for now, two years, um, kind of going from there. And so once, once we got into about probably the third, you know, third towards half the season, when we didn't get some results and some things that go our way, then that's where the conversation started to happen of saying, Hey, we're still fighting for a playoff spot. We're going through, here's what we need to do to make some adjustments. Players said, Hey, yeah, we're all in on that. And then it started to change. And we said, well, now it's out of reach. So now what are we now? What are we going to do? And I said, you know, Hey, here's, you know, here's what we've done all the way up to this point. We've been competitive in some games we're making some execution errors, but now we have no other option but to get better and build towards next year. And that's where the conversation started to change of saying, hey, we're, we're still trying to win games, be competitive. We have to do these things right and giving them little objectives like that within each game. And the, play, the players, to, to their credit, right, they owned every bit of it. Um, and, I mean, we – we fought in some games that we were not supposed to and lost very, you know, in like, you know, almost pulled two incredible upsets just because of how well we were working together as a team. So their, their ability to say, okay, Hey, they bought in early on, they trust the system, the results didn't go our way. And then they bought into each other. It was a very neat progression to see as a coach of saying, okay, they understand what we need to do. Now I just have to figure out how to drive the ship a little bit better to get the results that they, you know, their effort and work deserves. So that's a really interesting question. Your prompts really interesting question to my mind, at least is, is like, how do you get from buying in to an idea that is the system 
right? And like, we believe that this thing works. And I think back to, we had a coach on uh, who talked about freedom within the objective, right? And I think that's a little bit what you're talking about. It's like, here's the objective. Now you are uniquely gifted and talented to go and accomplish this thing, go and be free and do that thing. So buy into the system, buy into the objective. Now the question becomes, how do you buy into the relationships between each other? What are you doing as a coach? What are your athletes doing as players to make those types of connections so that we move from, hey, the, the, the general idea is we want to win games doing X, but we understand maybe that we can't win games unless we're bought in to this whole process. And that means having relationships and connections too. We talk about relationships with athletes primarily foundationally as, as what the, the goal of coaching is. So how do you move that? And at the professional level, I just think that's a different conversation in some ways. And it might, it might create some insight for some of us that are, they're doing it at, at a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I think kind of the the it was a the, it was a weird recognition point during the season where it was like a good and bad recognition because m- my latest kind of experience coaching has really been at a high youth level where I'm still teaching a lot more of these skills towards these teams and saying hey you're so young we're still building as a team like I'm still trying to teach you some of these life skills and ideas and different things that come along you know now I'm coaching at the professional level where sometimes that came through a little bit too much. Right. And I was like, Oh wait, I, this is, this is kind of like youth coaching. I need to be a little bit more on the nose or certain things kind of going in from there. So it was a good thing in that. I think it helped me set up kind of the structure of being able to understand the growing objectives that I wanted to have with the team of saying, Hey, how well can we do this together as a team? Right. Uh, And, but it also did a disservice to where it was like, Oh, I'm focused a little bit too much too much on some of these aspects. I'm like, oh, I need to dive into a little bit more of the X's and O's of like the strategy rather than kind of like the team building, the culture and everything that does go along with it too. Um, but, you know, again, it, it worked really well to, together to where the players, like since that was established early on and players could buy into that, then seeing the, you know, kind of seeing the, you know, the results not necessarily going going in our direction or our way they could make they felt comfortable making that adjustment or saying hey coach i want to bring this up because i think this is something that's going to benefit us right and um you know just doing that is that tactically i'm just trying to clear so you're saying you had this really firm foundation in team building now they come to you tactically and you kind of realize hey i got to do more on that side because we have this firm foundation is that what you're saying i'm yeah, that's, that's kind of where the conversation started to change a little bit of like, you know, hey, you need to like, hey, we need to look at some personnel changes. We need to look at, you know, we need to look at going through some different uh, strategies on offensively and defensively to kind of go in from there. Um, and so being able to have that conversation, but also the player like working really hard with the players to make them feel comfortable that, hey, you can bring it to me, right? You can bring the idea we're going to talk about it, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, we're going to talk about it and determine how we think it can fit, right? In terms of kind of going in with some of the strategy from there. So, you know, I told the players that like, you know, I'm a player's coach, like I want them to be able to come and talk to me about these things um, because I'm, I'm not going to know everything. Some of these guys I played with five, six years ago who have been playing in the league that much longer understand the game at a different way, different way than I do. And so to be able to take that concept and be able to have those conversations with the players, I think allowed that growth to like that clarity of purpose and understanding going from there. The, the other thing that began to change as well was that 
we change the metric of like success, right? Obviously winning a game is going to be, you know, winning and losing is how everything is, is important. But that's where, you know, a lot of the sports like background I have really helped out where I said, Hey, in games, our goal is yes, we're going to win, but like, how well can we play this point? Like what is our job and our role that we need to be going through and doing? And so we did that in one game and it favored us really, really well, um, where it forced player or some of the other, the opposing players to make very poor decisions to where we could now start capitalizing. I'm like, okay, Hey, how well can we keep this going and changing up the different looks? And now everybody's looking around saying, Hey, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing this and, and like locking in, locking in from there. Um, and so we, you know, when we took, you know, I told them, you know, all season that we were chasing playing our best game because we hadn't played our best game yet. Um, just because of some execution errors. And so then that became the challenge of like, okay, Hey, how do we make this, how do we make this work or how do yeah, kind of just, just to be able to change up the metric of success becomes important there. I think that's so valuable too. I was reading something talking about energy, like control a single unit, right? Yeah. If you can't control the whole control, a single unit, and you're talking about, let's just identify this single point and how we're going to play this point the best it's really about bringing it back to the present right instead of thinking how are we going to play this game because a game you know how long is a is a disc league game uh it's what well, it's four four quarters 12 minutes each so, or is, it a, so got, or is it a match game match i just want to make sure soccer <laughs> football we don't know uh, but instead of saying when it comes to the lingo so so instead of saying we're going to play these 48 minutes let's play this rotation let's play this shift let's play this point and then let's start extrapolating can we do that with consistency over time to add up to 48 minutes you know i used to listen to a podcast with michael lombardi who was the gm of the jets i believe and the patriots and the browns like he had a lot of service and he, he talked about teams being 60 minute teams 55 minute teams 50 minute teams you know it's like it doesn't matter where the five minute lapse is you know when they hear me say 55 minutes they think they fall apart the last five minutes of the game no five minutes somewhere in the game there was a breakdown and that costs the game you know so if you can stay present and be in the moment to win a single point can we control this single unit of time now we we have the capacity to layer that stack those up and, and really get these small wins that turn into big wins. Obviously that's a mental performance, wonderful approach, but um, to see that in real time is pretty cool. I would think. Yeah. And, and it, it really is in terms of kind of just being able to put that whole game together because, you know, we, you know, there would always be a moment in a game. My mentor calls them hinge moments, right. That help determine the, the, the outcome. Right. I think y'all, y'all talked to Dr. Bell, we have. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and there would be those moments and I can go back in many of those games and saying that was the reason why that result didn't go our way. And that was frustrating because a lot of it ends up being execution. And as a coach, like I'm wanting to own that so much for the players like, and let them come back. But that was the, like being able to work through that with the momentum of like what it means to be a 60 minute team means that not letting say a mistake in the first quarter define you, which I had a lot of our conversations with some of our players where I'm like, Hey, you're letting that completely destroy the rest of your game. And that was a hard thing to work through of saying, Hey, the, the downs are very much a part of the ups during any sort of game. It's not going to be perfect, but here's, here's where we need to do. So 
one of the things we we talked about was moving away from a perfection mindset to a pro progression mindset of just saying, hey, we're trying to progress and build momentum through the game. Play doesn't work for us. How are we gaining it back? And what adjustments are we making rather than going, you know, I had a very candid conversation with a player during a game. I said, hey, you can have the pity party as long as you want. But until, like as soon as you step into our locker room at halftime, you're, you have to be locked in. And to be able to go through and, and having those conversations to, to allow athletes, some athletes understand that if it doesn't necessarily work, like if it works against you or if it's a bad play, then being able to come back from it, that recovery is part of playing a 60 minute game. Yeah. Well, and, and 55 minute teams win a lot of games, you know, when you, when you like, and 50 minute teams win a lot of games, but I love the concept. You said chasing our best game throughout the season. And, and then you, Jamie, you kind of took it there, but like, what if we extrapolate that to our life? Like I'm going into a meeting in an hour. What if I'm chasing my best meeting next hour? Like, what does that mean? Right. And, and the hinge moment too, like there's always in conversations and meetings and days, whatever it is, you know, I think breaking it down in that perspective is really powerful. Will, how about for you? I know you've, you've done a lot of reflection, you know, when I reached out to you and said, Hey, are you ready to come back on? You're like, give me a couple of weeks. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still sorting through some stuff, you know, and, and I, I totally understand that, but how about for you as, you know, personally, as a coach, what did you learn about yourself and what might you, uh, you know, do differently or apply moving forward? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so for those not familiar with, again, the league, you know, so we, we ended the season three, nine, not good enough to advance, go anywhere. Um, and just, just a really kind of frustrating and, and, and in my eyes, a disappointing, disappointing year because, you know, I had, had high expectations for our team, um, but it just didn't come together. Um, but yeah, taking, so we're, you know, as we're talking today, actually we're a month, it's a month to the day of when our last, our last home game was our last final season game. Um, so yeah, so this last month, a lot of time reflecting on uh, a lot of what I've already brought up the idea of like, okay, Hey, how do I change my mindset as a coach um, in terms of kind of going into it, dealing with some of the needs and kind of going in from there. Um, but you know, and that, that becomes a lot. Um, but a lot of the reflection points, and I've had a couple of conversations with some of my athletes, you know, I tried to give them some space and, and then, you know, giving me some space as well. <clears throat> um, just cause we spent 11 weeks together, basically best friends, um, you know, with everything, but, uh, reflecting back, you know, I, you know, some of the strategy within the games are some things to, to be able to make the adjustments kind of being, being comfortable and being prepared to how to make those, um, is a big thing that, um, that I've really got to work on and address, address as well from there. Um, but one of the, from a coaching standpoint, one of the things that I think um, that reflected on a lot was uh, coaching is a, as a profession is an incredibly tough profession. It's, it's wonderful. And it's awesome because there are so many ways that you can get feedback and you're helping these athletes. Like there are so many times this year where I just got so excited as a coach because I saw a player do something that I was like, man, I knew I saw that in you, but I didn't really see it that way. Holy cow, that like you just blew my expectation. And like, those are moments that I love. But when you lose games, there's, there's nobody to talk to, right? <laughs> uh, nobody to, uh, and, you know, I say that because my players come up and talk to me about it. And they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, you know, like I'm mad. I'm, you know, I'm frustrated. And, and we, we had talked through it and, you know, and, 
it's, I forget the exact quote, but you know, like, you know, when you, when you lose, everybody has the right answer. Um, and so, you know, I'd listen to it, you know, listen to the players and, and certain things, but to like, when you go home after a loss and like, you're just like, you look at your dog and you're like, well, this stinks. <laughs> that's, a very tough, that's a very tough and, and like, it can be a very dark place. Right. And so that was one of the things that I started to pay attention to, which I thought was unique as a coach is like, okay, what's going on kind of with my, like, kind of like my own mental health as a coach. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I can't help but like put my work hat on at the same time and go, how do college coaches handle this? How do pro coaches handle this? And, you know, and I'm like, like I'm coaching on a, you know, I'm coaching at a very small professional level and these guys are doing it. And I'm like, I, wow, like that is like, that is tough. And so um, actually I messaged a colleague and who works with, you know, within a college. I said, Hey, I hope your coaches really take advantage of what you do because more coaches need this. Because if, if coaches feel, uh, you know, the way I do where you're sitting at home, like I'm staring at a blank TV, like running, watching the game over in my head going, like, yeah, this is tough. This is a very emotional experience to, you know, for some coaches, right? Um, so incorporating how to kind of process, you know, like those, those post-game things and understanding how to be able to kind of grow from there is, is, is a big thing that I, I work, started working on throughout the, throughout the season and still some things kind of continuously working on. Did you, um, did you find anything that was helpful as, as far as like, hey, coaches out there listening? Because mental health – for you as a coach is really, um, I think something, like you said, we don't talk about it enough and it is lonely. It affects, affects the outcomes for our players and our athletes. And, and not just, you know, if I'm stewing from Tuesday to Friday and then I try and come on Saturday, you know, and somebody makes a mistake, am I going to be, am I going to be there? Hey, the pity party can last as long as you want, or am I going to be in their face about it? you know, am I going to give them this, you bring this, you know, like we, uh, we had Lindsay Wilson on, who was a basketball player and she had a coach tell her like, if you carry the back, why would you want to play with that backpack? Right. If you carry the stuff in your backpack onto the court, it's just going to slow you down. Well, we carry it as, as coaches, as leaders, as people in our businesses, like we got to take care of our stuff so that we can walk up and then not affect the people that we're trying to, to grow, you know? And so, uh, I think the question was, did you find anything coach um, from John? It's um, yeah. So, so I did. Right. And, and, and that became a good thing. And so one, as a coach, you've got to have somebody in your corner that you can talk to of just like either, whether it being getting it off your chest or even going and talking about like non sport related thing. Like I, 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 I joke about it this because I played one of my best rounds of golf the day after day after a loss my dad was in town my uncle who lives in town we all got together but we play. you know we had lost a tough game at 10 o'clock that night and we were all we were playing golf at 6 30 in the morning the next day had my best round of golf because I was so mad about our game the night before that I couldn't necessarily focus on it right and uh so I was like huh maybe I was like well that's an unhealthy relationship to have with golf now but we'll figure that out uh but yeah, no, because I would carry it with me. Like I'd go into some meetings and stuff Monday morning and, and one of my friends would be like, yeah, okay. Like you, like go take a little bit of time. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we're good. And kind of showing up um, with that. But um, but having somebody that you can just talk to in your corner just to be able to, you know, take a break or, you know, kind of, you know, 
counselor, somebody, you know, somebody just to be able to talk about it. Um, who's not associated with the, with the team, you have to get away. You have to have that kind of like that, I call it a brief vacation from that in, in any sort of in the midst of the season, because that is kind of your whole life. You become obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to have somebody kind of, um, being able to go from there. Um, the other thing is, um, and, and actually it, it's kind of, it, it made me always think of a scene from Moneyball, if y'all have seen the, the movie where, Brad Pitt's character goes and works out during games. Yep. Like you have to, like after after a game, you have to go and do some sort of a workout. It doesn't matter if you're on the elliptical or you're doing something. Like you have to get your body moving um, because like that's just going to get the energy out. There's so many kind of so many research and, and different things that are associated with it. But get your body moving so you can, you can get it out. Which sounds is over over simplification of it. But really, that that's going to help tr- tremendously as well. Um, but you know, those those I think would be the the biggest two things. And then the last thing is just like taking time after the game of just right now, like taking a time and in the hardest time probably where you are mentally, but like forcing yourself to write down three thing three things that you're grateful for, right, in a gratitude journal or something. That was something that I started doing during the season. Um, just cause I was like, you know, to help change that mindset of like, you know, Hey, I'm thankful for this, this, and this, and then that helps change the mindset around. I, I do that pretty regular. It's like, and what I try and do is not have the same topics, uh, you know, like if I'm doing it, it, but because it starts to open your eyes to all the good things, right. It, it starts to open your eyes to all the things that you have in your life to be thankful and grateful for. And then you start to reflect on, man, I'm really grateful f- for that workout. And it starts to show you and point you the direction that you're going to cope best with that frustration or that disappointment, because you start to reflect and go, ah, that was something that moved me. You know, that was something that moved me forward. And now I'm grateful for that. And then the gratitude reminds you of it and it, and it it just, it grows you and it, it, it increases, right. It's a, it's a virtuous cycle rather than that, that vicious cycle we get into so frequently when we lose (laughs) as competitors. Yeah. I like that. That, Yeah. Virtue cycle. Yeah. I like that. Appreciate you taking time and recapping and, and being vulnerable and sharing your growth, not only for your team, but also for yourself. So best of luck next year in the 2022 season. And uh, that's crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. All right. Thanks, Will. Yep, thanks guys. Thanks, man. Always good to catch up with people that have impacted our lives, Jamie. And Will once again brings the good stuff to us. I love that he was willing to come be vulnerable, reflect, say, hey, here's where we were, here's what happened, and here's how we're going to continue to get better. This is just a vital portion of anything we do, you know, and I think it's so easy when the when the time horizon is finite, you know, like we have a season. This is when we stop to reflect. When we're done, now we get this time off in this period, and that doesn't happen in all of life. You know, and so we have to, again, I, it's a broken record, but we have to be intentional about when we place those moments in our life so that we get the freedom to reflect and say, this is going well, this is going poorly. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not going to keep doing that, you know, and, and but I, he I, said, I, I think ahead. it does. No, sorry. It, I think it does try to happen. Like I think of from a workplace perspective, it's like, oh, let's have an annual review. Well, yeah most of the time those things are just another task. Right. And, and part of that I think is from a leadership. I know I've done this where it's like, Oh, let's do the reviews. Let's get them done. Let's check the box. I know you're busy. 
and I diminish it, but I, I think it does happen from time to time, but I think you're right. You have to be intentional about building that in and not only building it in, but really putting some time into it and saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this thing and not just check the box. Again, this is why we use sport as such an, um, the model sometimes, right? Think about coach said during the interview, I have a professional athlete have thrown a pity party for themselves because they made a mistake in the first quarter, right? Now that is a, a conversation in and of itself. Any coaches out there that are frustrated with your 15 or 16 year old throwing a pity party, it happens at every level in every organization at every place. But the thing that he then prompted that athlete to think about is like, you have until halftime, right? You have until this moment, get it right, get it figured out so that we can move on. We as leaders, we as coaches also have to set up those different and varied time horizons for people to check in, to, to have some space to reflect on why they're feeling that way, to check in with their own thought process, and then to move forward from it. Like, again, if you're a leader, if you're a coach, the time horizons in sport are clear and defined quarters over halftime game over season over whatever it might be regular season, postseason. What are those things? in our professional and personal lives, right? Do you have clearly defined time horizons? If you do not start there, that is take a step broken down into, into something really tangible. And, and I was just thinking about how, you know, the vulnerability that you talked about, absolutely necessary when we take those moments to reflect. Yeah. I, talking about setting those times for your athletes and your, your people in your organization, but you said it too, doing it for yourself. You know, I think as coaches, we focus as leaders, we focus on everybody else. How do we help everybody else do this thing? And at the end, he talked about his own mental health, his own struggle with that thing and how he spent a ton of time, you know, focusing on the team. But then once he started to realize that it was his own behaviors, his own emotions were impacting everything else, now I got to do something about that. Right. Give yourself a time. I, you know, as a coach, you know, it's easy to say, okay, this one's over, turn the page. Maybe that's enough for you, but it might be, Hey, I'm going to take tomorrow. If it's Friday nights, cause you're a football coach by noon on Saturday, I'm done. I can feel as bad. I can be mad. I can be angry. I can do all those things, whatever I need to do. But at noon, that's my stop. I'm moving on. Reset. How well, how well do we do that when we win? Right. I mean, I think we do it much, much better when it's been successful. Absolutely. We say, Oh, okay. Noon on Saturday, I'm on to the next game. Cause I got this energy. I got this juice from the win last night, but on Monday we carry the loss into practice and we're mad at kids or people. Like, can we be consistent in our responses, whether it's to a good stimulus or a bad stimulus? That's what excellence is. You know, like, Great people do consistently what good people do occasionally, right? And so that consistency of response is also what leads to greatness. And and so, I, again, the challenge and why I sound pretty passionate about it right now is because I'm speaking to Jamie Wagner, right? I am telling myself how to get better, and it's it's landed in me as something I need to do better. So I'm not speaking to everybody out there. I'm saying, Jamie, do this better. And if you guys are all listening, maybe you will join me in this process. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so funny because I was just thinking about the thing that I was speaking to is like chasing our best game that when he started talking about that. And then, you know, in the, in the conversation, I talked about 
well, how do I chase my best next meeting, my best day, my best whatever workout? And that's that that's what hit home for me, right? Sure. And and so for you out there listening, we appreciate that you join us on this journey of us getting better. And, and we know that not always the things that land for us land for you. So we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email, eyesupmindset at gmail.com. Just let us know what landed for you. What was your takeaway? Because it's really important to have it be something that's, that's for you, not just, you know, cause again, we see it through our lens, Jamie, and it's not always for the rest of the world, but yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. This is why I love what we do because it challenged, it reminds me to be purposeful and to get specific and to be intentional about what is going on in my life. And then we get to bring it to you guys also. What, a, what a gift. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you, Jamie. And as always live eyes up.